You're listening to an encore presentation on MPB Think Radio. We're not able to take your call right now, but you can always reach us through email. The address is garden at mpbonline.org. This is Mississippi Public Broadcasting, Think Radio. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing. And for the next uh, rest of this hour, we're going to be talking about gardening. i got a few things to share with you. i got uh, some, you know, show-and-tell type stuff. Uh, one event that I know of, and we'll talk about that. And also a real special thing for people who, who love our the magnolia. We're going to be talking about that after a while. But, uh, again, I'm Horticulture's fell to rushing. Uh, me and Java Chapman, uh, Kevin Farrell, who's uh, our phone greeter today. We're going to be talking about gardening. If you got something on your mind, give us a call. I won't try to sell you anything. I won't try to talk you into or out of anything. But I'll try to give you both sides of of, uh, of an opinion if you need one. Uh, so let's just start out right off the bat and uh, call in from – I can't see what – my phone's up my – I see Viney, but I can't – Belleville. Hey, Viney, good morning. How are you? Fine. I just, I'm looking for, there my glasses are, bifocals. I had my sunglasses on. I couldn't see where you were. Oh. What's up? Well, I have these collard plants, which were beautiful at first. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden, they began to droop. And I uh, said, so what is wrong with these things? The collards? Collard plants. They don't grow this time of year. They got big as my, up to my knees. But anyway, uh, and, and they drooped, like I said. And I said, well, let me investigate. And I looked around the, at the bottom of the, uh, you know, where it goes into the ground. Uh-huh. Looked like an ant bed. Ants had built a bed around it. And uh, you, and, and recently it was ants because when I, I got a stick and stirred down there and the ants start coming out. Oh, yeah. So and I said, what, what can I do about those? And I said, well, a, a couple of things. What happens when ants build up? You know, they, the, the fire ants are, tr- are tropical, subtropical things, and when it rains a lot or it gets cold, they build their mouths up to, for, for better drainage and for, for warmth. And uh, what, they, what it does, though, it aerates the roots. It puts too much, you know, it, it, it like fluffs up the soil too much and roots can't get water, see? Uh, and plus those bound shed water. So what you could do is just simply take a garden hose and just wet them down and disperse them that way and just irritate them until they go somewhere else. Um, you know, there's 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 some poisons you could use that are, are really pretty safe as long as you put it just on the mound and not on your plants. They're not absorbed into the plants, any of those fire ant things. Uh, but I bet you could just irritate them till they till they move on. Well, keep in mind, Viney, that uh, collards this time of year start petering out. They grow better in the fall, cold winter, and spring. But heat of the summer, they just you know we just don't grow collards in the, in the summertime because it's too hot for them. Well. They always survive for me, but my garden hose not going to reach to my car. Well, what you can do is, you know, I hate to say, you know, go go get a, a, an insecticide. Then people will come up with all sorts of home remedies, but almost anything will irritate them. You get you a, a bucket of, of water, put maybe a little dish detergent, so just a little anything, that, and and just pour it on the mound, and they'll irritate them and make a move. Okay, but it's it's it's, it's you can't well, you know how you see the the, the little pebbles they have. That's all you see. That's around it. Right. Right around on the, around the plant. Right, and oh, up and, and, and up on the stem. Well, no, they didn't. They didn't get that far. They they just made it 
around the bottom of that. Of well, the, if, if, if they're fire ants, you know, and you can tell fire ants because they come boiling out, they're sort of reddish black, and, and if they are fire ants, then, you know, you, got, you, you, know you, you ought to deal with them. But if they're not fire ants, uh, actually, you know, you could just water around the plants and, and live with them. Uh, ants are actually kind of beneficial. Fire ants will just, they'll mess with you back. Oh, okay. So, but I, I would just irritate them till they're gone. All right, so don't use no dust or nothing like that? or If if you wanted to, but keep in mind that a liquid is something that, that you mix with water that says it's for fire ants. If you mix whatever, it doesn't take much. Whatever the direction called for, believe it or not, is plenty strong in a gallon of water. Mix you up a little bit in a bucket of water and pour it in the evening. Pour it around outside of those mounds and then use the rest to pour it down the mound let it melt down into the mounds and uh by morning they'll be gone and these materials are not absorbed through roots in the plants oh okay all right the next question is my tomatoes the bottom of the tomatoes are turning uh rotten that's real real i've seen that so many times viney that's called blossom end rot and it's caused by a lack of calcium in the in the tomato, and calcium comes from lime. If you got really good dirt, it usually has calcium in it. But every three or four years, you ought to put a little agriculture lime in your garden, or when you plant tomatoes, put a little teaspoon or tablespoon or so of agriculture lime stirred in the dirt around the plant to make sure there's calcium in the soil. Tomatoes, sometimes watermelons and peppers, they grow so fast that they that that they outgrow the plant's ability to absorb calcium. So even if you got lime out there. If it stays real wet or real dry, plants can't absorb it. So we typically see blossoming rot when there's a lack of calcium, and you can correct that with just a little bit of agriculture lime, or the plants just staying a little too wet or a little too dry. Okay. You, you can also buy this stuff called stop rot. It's not a, it's not a fertilizer. It's not, I mean, it's not a pesticide. It's a liquid calcium fertilizer specifically for tomatoes. Okay. It's just called stop rot. Everybody carries it. All right, then. And my last question is peaches. My uh, <clears throat> peaches, excuse me, they're just rotting on the tree. Mm-hmm. Yep. When we have a lot of humidity here in the Deep South, we have a lot of problems with this. Um, there are several diseases. One of the most common is called brown rot, and they, it just turns them into what little, little, little dried-up mummies. It just completely rots them. Commercial peach growers spray fungicides every couple of weeks to, to protect the things. But home gardeners, there's not much you can do because if we have a real humid, rainy season, you have to spray every week or two as a protective film, and that's just not practical. So, uh, you know, it sounds like brown rot, which is the most common disease on, on peaches here in the South. That's one of the reasons why we don't have any commercial peach growers in Mississippi anymore because it's too much trouble to spray. I remember when it was growing up. You know, the, your peaches, and they get worms in them. Oh, yeah. And we used to take ashes from the fireplace and put around them, you know, around the trees. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that was mostly just to give your kids something to do. you got to really spray some fungicides on the fruit. We just, uh, so many people started planting peaches and pecans that the problem started building up and made it where it's just not commercially feasible anymore. But, you know, again, it's a fungus that blows onto the fruit, so you have to put a protective film on the young peaches. And they only last for a couple of weeks or a couple of rains, whichever come first. And one of the reasons why I recommend I don't recommend peaches because there's just so much trouble here. you got to really be dedicated, Viney. Okay. Oh, well, you know, go out and mess with the ants. Take your bucket of water with you. Well, 
All right, then. Uh, All righty. We're going to move on to, to the next caller. Thank you so much for calling, Viney. And see you in October, maybe. I hope so. Hope so. There at the max. Thank you. All righty. Uh, let's go now to up to Memphis. Hey, Wilma, thank you for holding. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, Felder. What can you tell me about pepper vine? Um, well, what do you want to know? You can eat them if you want to. I wouldn't eat too many of them because they'll make you sick if you eat too many. But it's a it's a native vine that just comes up everywhere. And all you can do is just pull and pull and pull. It is native, huh? Okay. I, I think it is. If it's not native, it's naturalized. But uh, I see one every now and then in my garden. And I just pull it up before it has a chance to spread. Uh, when we're taking a break, I, I'll, I'll double check to see if it's native or not. But uh, at well, any rate, it's naturalized if it's not native. This is in her friend's yard, and the back of her yard is tall privet, and it has just taken over the privet. Yeah. I mean, it's just. Yeah, apparently very invasive. Well, bir- birds eat those those blackberries and spread the seeds everywhere. Bird perches after each one of those seeds, he's going to drop a handful of seeds okay. when he eats the berry. That's how it spreads. And again, unless you want to, you know, uh, unless you can get up under there and clean it up and keep an eye on it, about all she can do is about once a year have somebody crawl up under there and pull them up at the ground level, and the top parts will shrivel up and die. That, that's okay. what I that's what I do. It's no fun, but it's it works better than anything I know of. Okie dokie. Thanks, Felder. Okay, and I'm going I'm to double check and see if uh, if it's native or not, but it's certainly uh, naturalized. It's a kind of a pretty vine, too. Yeah, and the new growth on it's red. It's, yeah. You know, that's attractive. Yeah. So, so anyway, good, right. good luck. No fun. Thanks. Okay. Now, let's slide down to Natchez. Kathy is hanging on. And, Kathy, by the way, there's a real big celebration going on in Natchez I'm going to talk about in a minute. But what can I help you with? Yes, and I would be so glad to see you one day come through with your truck and your plants on the back of your truck and I, say, "Hey, I, I have parked. I have parked that truck at Fat Mama's Tamales more time you can imagine." Oh, I would love to see you. Love oh, to see you. Oh, what can I help you with? <laughs> well, my question is: I've been trying to grow like mammoth sunflowers for about four years, and finally, I've gotten sunflowers. I've uh-huh. had two that bloom, um, but I have these little black. Small little black bugs that keep coming on them, and I use uh, the seven dust, and I sprinkle it all over. And mm-hmm. after it rains, I have to come back out and do them. But I saw them again yesterday on the stem. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What's your recommendation for well, that? Well, without looking, I can't tell exactly what the insect is, but a couple of things. Uh, and, and by the way, before I get to that, uh, if we have, did you, did you, yours didn't fall over in all that wind we had a couple of weeks ago? No, I'm saying. Well, actually, I used uh, um, tied them it, up. like something that you would use to put for tomato plants. There you or something. go. There you go. I put that there, and they're leaning against it because I had one of them that bloomed and it bent over, and I actually took a little like a tie from the bread bag uh-huh. and I put it up against one of the thicker stems yeah. loosely, and it's holding. Well, a lot of, we we had trouble with sunflowers and and all of my corn. I had to stand my corn up three times because of all the wind. But anyway, oh, yeah. as far as those bugs, here, here's a little thing: seven dust, seven only kill, controls chewing type insects, the kind that bite plants. It doesn't have any effect on sucking insects, the kind that stick their noses in and suck sap out. It won't affect those uh-huh. at all. See, and uh, and by the way, you always get better coverage whether you're using 
anything, natural, chemical, whatever, you always get better coverage using a liquid than a dust because the dust, wherever it lands, that's it. But a liquid, you can get back behind things under leaves, you know, where the critters are, and it can get down in the cracks and crevices. Seven dust just sits there. So liquid is always better, always. Okay. Uh, as far as... Um, I, I, again, without seeing the insect, I don't know, but it sounds like it could be a sucking type insect. And uh, rather than spray a regular poison on there, you might want to see if, if the local garden center carries this stuff called uh, insecticidal soap. It's not real soap. It's just called that. And, and dish detergent won't do the trick. But insecticidal soap controls soft-bodied, small sucking type insects, and it's not a poison. And if, okay. if that doesn't work, uh, shoot me an email. There's a couple of other things I can recommend. But mostly if you'll use a liquid, and when you mix it up, no matter, even insecticides, no matter what it is, put just a, a teaspoon of liquid dish detergent in the spray. That helps it spread out, getting all the cracks and crevices where the little bugs are hiding. Okay, okay. And uh, do I... <laughs> Do I also apply it to the bloom as well or just on the stem? Well, wherever the insects are, wherever they are. Okay. You know, where they are. Okay. Can I ask you one more question? Sure. I know the lady was asking you about ants. Uh Um, Last year I came across two or three people, and they told me if you have ants, like fire ants in your yard, if you take a shovel and dig one mound up, just like a take it and quickly put it on another one. Mm, they'll fight, they'll, they'll kill f- each other out. That's true? Not really. Not really. No. It seems uh-huh. like it. They, it does make a man. They get irritated, but enough pick up the eggs and run. All it does is makes them spread into more mounds. I'm, af- okay. I'm afraid there's there's only two good approaches to fire ants. One is ignore them as best you can, and, and, and that works far better than anything. Or else use something where you can treat the individual mounds with something designed to, to, to poison them. And, and there's, okay. there's really no other solution. Okay, I remember people used to say grits, and grits doesn't work either. Like they say they'll get filled up, they'll eat the Kathy, grits. Kathy, Kathy, <laughs> in 40 years, I have heard it all. And if they're in, and I work with other horticulturists and other garden experts and organic uh, folks and chemical folks, and if there was anything that we knew that would work... I'd know about it, yeah. But I hear it all, and it doesn't do any, yeah. it doesn't do any harm to put some grits around there. It won't hurt but to put grits. What will it really in. do? Nothing. It won't do anything. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, and by the way, I don't know. Have you been downtown uh, lately and seen the the crepe myrtles? Not just recently. You know what? I'll go through there today. The, you know, uh, Natchez has got so many crepe myrtles. You know, we got oh, a real, yes. we have such a, uh, we have a bad problem heading our way, and it's already starting to show up in Natchez, but all over the place. While crepe myrtles are still beautiful, I don't think you can find a pretty place in downtown Natchez. Uh, it's and they, gorgeous. And they, they, gorgeous. They're, they're having actually a celebration this summer. It's just called Natchez Celebrates the, 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 uh, the Blooms. And uh, they got all sorts of folks that'll talk about it, drive, you know, the old uh, Natchez City Cemetery, all sorts of stuff. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I love downtown Natchez. I had an uh, opportunity a year ago, year and a half ago. I stayed right downtown on Franklin Street. I was renting in one of the historic buildings for about a year, and it was so beautiful because I would wake up, and I would take my daughter's dog, go walk on the bluff, and um, I just, it's just beautiful. I love downtown. Well, I appreciate it. And next time you're down there, tell the folks at Fat Mamas I said hey. 
I sure will. Thanks, Thank Jim. you. You bet. Have a good weekend. All righty. Uh, Java, we need to take a break, or can I talk to Bob first? Let's talk to Bob. Hey, Bob, how are you this morning? Calling from uh, Hattiesburg. Yes, sir, and I go to Natchez a lot when I can. Yeah, um, you know, it's a great, wonderful place to visit. Yeah. Well, what's up, man? You've probably had this question before. I don't think I've heard the answer, but I've got beautiful hydrangeas that come up every year in my backyard. They bloom, but they uh, by the first of July they're covered with black spots. Believe. Yeah. What, yeah. What, what can you do to control that? Well, you know that they bloom. They they come back every year and bloom fine. So you know it doesn't affect them up until bloom time. They look fine. So you don't have to do anything. You know, it just makes them look bad. Uh, but when they get through blooming, you can cut the plants back. That gets rid of the, 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 most of the disease leaves and sprouts out strong new growth and usually doesn't get the disease later. It, this is caused by a fungus that splashes around uh, and lands on the leaves when it's, when it's wet and rainy and warm and humid, which is usually in the spring. By summertime, right. it doesn't spread as much, so unless you water too much. But, you know, you can cut the plants back after they get through blooming, let them put on some new growth. Or if you want to, if these are show, you know, if these are uh, showgirls out there, what you can do is uh, they have fungicides that are for rose diseases, you know, not insecticides, but rose diseases, uh, different fungicides you can spray uh, every week or two on the leaves. And it's a protects, put a protective film on it, uh, on the leaves to keep those fungus spores from sprouting. Uh, You have to start that in the middle of the spring, though, and, and, and keep going. Yeah, so, you got to get ahead of it, I guess. Yeah, it's a protective film. It doesn't cure. We can't cure diseases. We have to prevent them, like putting a raincoat on before a rain, right. not after you're already soaking right. wet. So, right. uh, you know, so, and those are the things. Uh, uh, spraying fairly regularly, starting in mid-spring, up until oh, middle of the summer when the spores aren't spread as bad, or just prune them back when they're done. Okay. All right. Thanks very much, man. Okay, Bob. Appreciate you coming. Bye-bye. All righty, folks. Uh, we got all sorts of stuff to talk about, but um, one of the things I would like to, to, to remind folks that this time of year, uh, this time of year, diseases are rampant on vegetables and fruits and things like that because of the rain and the humidity. If you don't want to spray, take your glasses off and learn to live with it because we can't really do much about it unless you mulch the ground and do some pruning and do a lot of spraying as preventive. By the way, in case anybody calls about this ahead of time, I'm letting you know. Nope, I don't know what to do about rats eating your green and red tomatoes. If I knew what how to keep rats and squirrels off of my tomatoes, I'd do it myself. Anyway, we're going to take a real quick break. Java Chapman, Kevin Farrell, myself, Felder Rushing here at the Gestalt Garden at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll be back with your phone calls, and we got the lines wide open right after this. If you're a parent on the go, but still want to stay informed about your children's education, subscribe to Mississippi Education Connections podcast and listen on the go anytime, anywhere on your favorite podcast app. Alrighty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell to rushing, and I'm glad to talk with you about gardening, anything gardening. And uh, some things I can help with, uh, the fellow horticulturists tend to over- Overexplain things, and I can do. I can make your eyes bleed with detail about stupid stuff. But here at MPB, we like to cut to the chase. And if there's something that I can recommend that's based on my horticulture training, 
40 years of that. Uh, all my life of gardening, being a fairly avid gardener with rats and diseases and weeds and squirrels and fire ants, just like everybody else, uh, what would I do? Basing horticulture science, plant pathology, entomology, uh, all that, balancing that with what's practical and what actually works for me in Mississippi. That's my approach. I spend a lot of time outside the South, though, and I feel a lot of e- field a lot of emails from all over the place, uh, all over the country, and even overseas. Uh, and I try to answer those too. But um, one of the, one of the things that that I have not done in the years that I've been on the radio, the decades I've been on the radio, is I don't promote things. I don't promote uh, garden events. Yeah, uh, good gardening practices. Yeah, but as far as as uh, movements, you know, I try not to get into sports or politics or anything like that because it's about gardening but we gardeners have a chance to do something kind of cool i talked to ronnie agnew our executive director here last year and said uh if we ever have a chance would you mind if i do this he said go for it felder here's what i've done working with a lot of other people including folks from the native plant society garden clubs uh avid home gardeners uh, plant society folks a lot of people who are just just interested in this see that we have an opportunity, kind of a rare opportunity, to do something that that, that something nice that that would be lasting. And what I'm talking about is we have an opportunity over the next two months for a committee of nine people. The flag commission is going to come up with a design for a new Mississippi flag. Not going to get into what got us here and all that, but here we are moving forward. We have a we're going to have a new flag, and I would like to see it have a magnolia flower on it, not just the state seal, you know, or you know some stripes and stars and stuff, but something that says magnolia state because that's what Mississippi is, the magnolia state. We have a design of a magnolia flower on every historic marker in the states every county, most communities since 1949. It's a simple, bold flower. I'd like to see it on the Magnolia State's flag. Uh, If you want a little bit more information about that, I'm not going to wax poetic about this, but I will say this. Magnolia is the largest flower in North America, native North America. Uh, It outlived whatever killed the dinosaurs. We have fossil records that go back as far as you want to go, all the way up to 60 million years ago. Um, And it grows in every county of Mississippi. It's native here. It's a big, beautiful, bold thing. And I see it in botanic gardens all over the world, from Japan to Germany to England, even New York City. Uh, I've seen it in South America and Africa. It's a great plant. Anyway, if you would like to to help petition the Flag Commission to make sure a magnolia flower is on our state flag, do this. Go to my blog. Not an MPB site. It's a blog. It's called felderrushing.blog. You type that in, it'll take you right to it. And one of the first things at the bottom, uh, when you open that up, it says magnolia flower flag. Click on that, and it'll take you to this to this website that I put together that's got a petition on it that if you click on it, doesn't cost anything, not looking for donations, don't want you to do anything, don't want to send you anything, just simply click on it to support the idea of at least considering our new state flag to have a magnolia flower on it. And by the way, you don't have to be from Mississippi to do this. Fellowrushing.blog. Scroll down to Magnolia Flower Flag, and when you get that, read what it says. It's only a page or so. At the bottom, click on that link. I appreciate it. And I, 
So we're going to take a cheesy tune break, uh, something that um, that I do every week, just sort of catch my breath and look at my tomato that's been eaten up by rats. Look at some of the flowers I brought in, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But it's a call-in program here at MPB. If you want to give us a call, it's toll-free 1-877-MPB-RING. Sit back and relax. We're going to take a a few minutes to listen to a, a sweet tune and come back with your live phone calls here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I think I see a wagon rutted road with the weeds growing tall between the tracks and along one side runs a rusty barbed wire fence and beyond that sits an old tar paper shack Mississippi you're on my mind Mississippi, you're on my mind Oh, oh, Mississippi, you're on my mind I think I hear a noisy old John Deere In a field specked with dirty cotton lint Below the field runs a little shady creek And there you'll find the cool green leaves of mint Mississippi, you're on my mind Mississippi, you're on my mind Oh, oh, Mississippi, you're on my mind I think I smell the honeysuckle vine The heavy sweetness like to make me sick And the dogs, my God, they're hungry all the time And the snakes are sleeping where the weeds are thick Mississippi, you're on my mind Mississippi, you're on my mind Oh, oh, Mississippi, you're on my mind No matter if you use an app to start your car or still have a flip phone, Everyday Tech can decipher today's technology for tomorrow's solutions. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. This is MPB Think Radio, Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Folks, welcome back. Horticulturist Felder Rushing and me and Javin, Kevin, 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 Kevin's in there taking the, the phone calls. If you got something to talk about garden wise, give me a call six one eight seven seven MPB something like that eight seven seven something 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 ring MPB ring. <laughs> 
Oh, me, that Mississippi on my mind, that uh, that sweet song, it just got me discombobulated. I tell you what, though, let's stop all this chatter. Let's go up to Oxford and talk to William about his garden. Hey, William, good morning, sir. Morning, Felder. How are I you? Have a, I'm fine. Good. I have a question about Spanish moss. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, it, of course, it doesn't grow up here in Oxford. Uh, sure it does. Well, well, It grows up oh, in Tennessee. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, um, my friend, he has some uh, property down in the South Delta, and of course on the on the coast as well. And he uh, he admires the natural Spanish moss that grows in the trees uh, on his near and on his properties. Uh-huh. But he's tried several times to transplant it to some live oaks he has. Yeah. Um, unsuccessfully, he'll take tufts of it and hang it from the limbs and. He wanted to know uh, how can that be done successfully, what time of year is best to do that, and yeah. um, is that well, even wise considering it's a parasite? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's actually not a parasite at all. It's an epiphyte. It, it'll, it'll, oh, grow, okay. it'll grow on, on, on iron rebar. Which is oh, how I, how I grow mine. I've got a little area in my back garden, uh, William. It's uh, it's called a stumpery. I got a bunch of old stumps with their gnarly roots and weird shapes, and I pile them up, and uh, put a little water garden in the middle. Stuck some ferns and some hosses and stuff like that. And I made a uh, uh, and some are just tall dead snags. So I got what looks like a, a a crammed up bunch of cool stumps with stuff growing in it. And I put some old rusty rebar, made a little frame up above it, and it's completely draped with Spanish moss. On, on, wow. on rebar. Uh, parasites grow into plants and get their nutrients from the plants. This is an epiphyte that just gets all of its nutrients from from rain and bird droppings and insects that die on it, stuff like that. You know, you can wow. put it on top of your head and it'll grow there. <laughs> as as long as it gets the humidity and the dust and the stuff that it, you typically don't see it in forests in Mississippi like like what you have around Oxford you typically see it around swampy areas like you have in the delta See, because that's – and birds spread Spanish moss everywhere. So it tells us it needs a certain type of habitat, which is humid, a lot of moisture, um, you know, in, in mosquitoes that, that land on it and get tangled up and die. This They get nutrients from bird droppings and all that and dust in the air. Hmm. So the trick is when you put some out there, put a lot of it because it creates its own microclimate. A bunch of wow. it together keep the humidity high for all of them. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is it n- doesn't grow up. So most people hang it as high as they can reach. Put it up high and it'll come down and, and take it from there. And so wow. most people just hang it on the bottom limbs and it, it it's not going to go up. So uh, what what I have to do from time to time is take mine that's hanging down and either break pieces of it off and throw it up higher or else just j- j- just drape it. But put it up higher than you want. Let it drape back down. A lot of humidity is what it takes, though. Okay. So but, near bodies of water and such yeah, like that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you, you, you drive 30 miles uh, west from Oxford, go, go straight down Highway uh, – Is not is that 8? that Highway 8 that goes over to Clarksdale? Right. Uh, no, that is uh, six. Six. Go go down Highway Six. As soon as you get over close to Clarksdale, you see it all around uh, uh, lakes up in there. So main thing is mm. a lot of humidity. Put a bunch of it out and put it up high. Hmm. Oh wow, that's really good to know. I appreciate yeah. it. And, and and it's not a and not only is it not a parasite, it'll grow on iron rebar, but it doesn't have cooties like my mother always said. Don't play with that. It's got cooties. It, <laughs> it doesn't. 
I always heard it was a, basically a, a drapery of solid insects, but yeah, <laughs> you know. well, it's, it, it's really not. But it's a cool little plant. But uh, it it it, really it, it, it takes a lot of it to get it started. And one other thing is, if you don't put a lot of it, birds use it to make their nests, and they'll haul it all off if the, if there's not enough of it. Hmm, that's that's really cool. I know cows eat a lot of it. Um, I've seen them trees fall, and the cows will run to the to the moss. Yeah, get, yeah. Uh, but uh, it's 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 in the same. It's a bromeliad. It's in the same family as pineapples, and and the bromeliads are growing trees, sort of like orchids. Really? It's not it's not related to orchids, but they grow in trees, not. I mean, own trees, not in trees. If that makes it's not like mistletoe. Okay, well, that's good to know. I appreciate it, sir. Cool, cool. Oh, oh, one other thing. Uh, how, how close is your friend? Is he a pretty good? Can you prank him? Uh, maybe, yeah. Next I time, think so. next time you're up in Memphis, down in Jackson, go to Hobby Lobby. They have the most realistic fake Spanish moss you've ever seen, and you, <laughs> you got to stand back a few feet and sort of lightly mist it with a little gray paint because it looks a little too green. But you hit uh-huh. it with some gray paint, and you can't tell it from five feet away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Uh, so uh, hang it from his uh, rafters is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, right, or go to a party, it. have it tucked under your hat when you go to a party. Say, look, I can grow this. It wouldn't matter with you. <laughs> <laughs> have fun, William. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, appreciate it. All right, now we're going to go over to Blue Ridge. No, no, Bush, Louisiana, Ansley. Or is it Ainsley? Ansley. Ansley. What's up, sir? By the way, there's a small community on the Mississippi coast named Hansley, so hmm. wasn't named after me, but I have a claim to Mississippi. There you go. Uh, I called you a couple of weeks ago about rooting blueberries and uh, camellias. Right. And so I put, um, put them in potting soil and put some jars over them, mm-hmm. and, and I guess they've been out two or three weeks, and they survived so far. How long do I leave the jars over them, and do I need to water, uh, put some water on the in potting soil regularly? How do I? Where do I go from here? When do I set them out? Yeah. Give me a little uh, further advice. Okay, now these are in a place that's bright but not full sun, right? Correct. Okay, good. Uh, the the jars keep humidity up, which keeps the leaves from 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 drying out so fast that they fall off. So you're just trying to make it like a greenhouse chamber. Uh, so I would leave that on there for at least uh, until they start putting new growth on, till you know they've made it, which might take them a, a, a month and a half or two. Uh, as far as water, though, they need to be moist but not sopping wet. And if you let them get too dry, boom, they die because they don't have any roots. So make sure you know water them every now and then. You know, sort of lift the pots up or put your finger in there. If it's damp, leave them alone. But uh, water them. Enough to keep them moist and keep that that uh, that plastic stuff on there till they have plenty of new growth on them. And I wouldn't move them or transplant them till fall because they're not going to have any roots. Some plants grow roots fast. Gardenias will grow a root in three weeks, uh, but these things are going to take a little, you know month month and a half, maybe two. Okay. Um, another question: Is there a secret to these butter butter beans that that? make vines that grow on vines not bushes is there any secret to finding them or in the in the vines or you just have to pull back the leaves till you find them it's, it's, it's kind of fun you mentioned that because java and i were talking i went out this morning uh, before i walked up here to the studio and i picked a, a a nice little mess of of purple 
pod, Louisiana purple pod green beans. You know, they grow like butter beans. And I had to, you know, I kept thinking, I hope there's not a wasp in here. But you have to really go searching for them. Okay. And uh, have you got very many? Because some people are having trouble with their beans and and tomatoes and things because it's been so wet that that the flowers aren't doing right. Well, well, a lot of them are not filled in. We have a picked some and uh some of them are still not filled in so we're waiting for them to fill in we had the best tomatoes and peppers that i've ever had because i've been uh home more than usual so i can keep up with things yeah well we've had great tomatoes and and uh, some bell peppers bell peppers turning red I finally started getting some tomatoes, finally, because, you know, I'm usually in England this time of year. This is my first summer garden in 11 or 12 years, first time I've, I've, I've planted tomatoes and stuff because I'm not here. And I'm so proud of it. I got me a couple of tomatoes last week, made tomato sandwiches. I got some squash. I got some pole beans and some peppers and jalapenos. But I went out yesterday, and all of my tomatoes that were just about to pick, rats had gotten into them, eating half of them, just half of them. And now they're eating the green ones. We had a few that got rotten. but And I have occasionally rats out in my yard, especially if I let it a meadow grow up, and uh-huh. then I mow it down. The rats start running in all directions. Yep, they're common. They're they're just they're you know they're just like ground squirrels. But it doesn't seem like they have uh, eaten the and have a big fig tree. And I've been able to give away a lot of figs to my neighbors and in in my church. Yeah. So that's a that's a blessing to grow stuff where you have enough extra to give away. There you go. All righty. Well, listen. Just go Thanks. go go look for your butter beans, man. Thanks a lot. All right. Appreciate your call. Uh, now, now we're going to Deborah calling from Blue Ridge, Georgia. Hey, Deborah, where is Blue Ridge? It is in North Georgia. It is a most wonderful place to go. We're actually on top of Cherry Log Mountain. Okay. So, you, so you're, oh, you're, you're on up there in the nosebleed part of Georgia. Absolutely. Well, what's up? What can I help you with today? The first thing is something I just saw in the screen. There's a garden down, two cabins down, beautiful little garden. They have a motion detector that squirts water. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, there's one that's called Scarecrow that does that, oh. and it it's actually looks like a little mechanical crow. Well, this one looks like your basic you know, garden thing that you'd have in the uh, yard for watering, and if you walk by, it starts squirting at you. Well, that'll keep the neighbors and their dogs off your yard. Well, it worked for us. <laughs> that, that's fun, though. That's fun. What else you got? I have a Confederate rose that is et up with white flies. Mm-hmm. Anything I can do besides taking off my glasses? That works. Yeah, but I'm afraid they're going to spread to other plants. They will. <laughs> Listen, you got you know. Have you heard of a guy named Walter Reeves over in in Atlanta? Maybe. Okay, Walter Reeves, he's my counterpart. Walter and I both retired extension. We both do radio and and all that kind of stuff. Walter has the coolest website. Matter of fact, I use it for Mississippi stuff. But if if you'll go online and and, uh, and click in Walter Reeves, it'll come up with his his website. And he has answers to every possible thing, including all the stuff you don't really need to do. But to answer your question, the only way to control white flies is to spray them, and you have to spray the underside of the leaves. Right. But get this. 
you can kill everyone that's out there, but there's some eggs out there that are going to hatch, and within seven or eight or nine days, you got white flies again. So you have to spray at least twice, maybe three times a week apart to 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 catch them to break their life cycle, to get them all, okay. incl- including the new ones. And you know, just take your glass. They're not hurting. Come on. <laughs> well, they're sucking the sass out of the leaves. How, how does it look for ten feet away? You can't see it. Thank you. He- Hello. <laughs> Come on, Deborah. <laughs> so the one thing I did find at work, it weighed about thirteen inches in two days, and they were all gone. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, but again, most of the time they're on the underside of the leaves, and you got to get the, oh, the adults and the larvae, and you got to come back a week or so later, within within a week, a week and a half, to get any that hatched out from eggs. And a liquid spray is going to do better. You can use insecticidal soap, which is natural, because right. it, 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 it'll, it controls small sucking. It's the larvae you're trying to control as well as the adults. Right. And uh, But you got to get good coverage. And uh, if you can't see it from 10 feet away, I don't even want to talk to you anymore about it. <laughs> Deborah. Well, don't talk to me again. <laughs> I, I tried something different this year. I tried pinching the, the leaves back. Is that a good thing, bad thing? Last year it was about 12 foot tall. Yeah, it'll make them bushier. Bushier. Usually, okay. usually, you know, in your part of the country, they die down the ground and come back up with multiple stems. Not mine. Well, I'm, because you had, we hadn't had a normal winter in a while. When we get a normal yeah. winter, they they get killed out and they sprout back out like a perennial. Oh, yeah. uh, so uh, you know, and they do that naturally. But if they don't die down, it's good I just prune them back because they don't bloom yeah. till fall anyway. Yeah, I cut them way back every year, which is fun. Yeah. Well, I wish you were up here in the mountains. It is lovely. I've been there, been there. I've I've done some some inner tube down some of those rivers and all. Used to have some <laughs> some friends who lived up there, but you know. I'm, I, you got, grow where you're planted. Well, unfortunately, that's in Mobile right now. Where well, it's hot. Yep. Ch- check out Walter Reeves. Okay. And uh, and 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 then in the little search bar, see what it says about white flies. I will do that. Thank you so very much. Okay, Deborah. Thanks for calling. Okay. Bye. All righty. Let me see. We're going to talk to Tish from Ocean Springs. What's going on down the Gulf Coast, Tish? Well, we actually have had a rain. It's (laughs) one of the few we have had all spring and summer. Yeah. Well, I've I've gotten your rain up here in Jackson. Oh, I know. We've been so generous. We starved ourselves. Now, I have two questions. One is I have an old spindly uh, orange tree. Mm-hmm. And it may, has these wonderful little sweet oranges with very thin um, rinds, so they're perfect for making marmalade. Uh huh. Sort of like I, sort of like big kumquats. Yeah, but oh, they're just delicious. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, I want this. This tree has um, been through a lot. It was when I first bought the property; it was just covered with vines. Now it's uncovered, but it. Um, and it has many, many fruit on it. But the leaves have turned yellow. Yeah. And um, and many have fallen off. Ooh. And I didn't, I thought at one point, and it probably is true, that I was not water, it was not getting enough water. We, we also have some pretty serious citrus diseases. One's called citrus 
uh, greens or citrus yellow, I can't remember, uh, that they've been dealing with on the Gulf Coast in South Louisiana and Florida, some pretty serious diseases that are spread all around. And so it could be that. And without seeing that, I don't know. One thing I could recommend, though, cut some of the branches back a little bit, make them bush out, put on some strong, healthy new growth and see how that does. And it may just okay. be a temporary thing. If you prune some of the branches back, the tree will thicken up. You'll have more flowers next year, more fruit next year. But also you can see if the new growth stays healthy or if it comes out diseased. And, All right. Now, and I can do this now. Yes. You've already, you've okay. already finished harvesting, right? No, no. It, these are not ripe until uh, winter. Okay. Well, you know, pr- pruning will, will, is the, will tell. Whether okay. it's just a temporary stress from all the rain or whether it's because of a disease. It's definitely not because of all the rain. Yeah. <laughs> the other, my other question is I have a little rose that has a, a, a lovely scent, and it's a bright, bright yellow, and it is the treasure of my life. Um, it had – I went away for a while, came back. And it was covered with black spot, and all of the the most of the leaves um, fell, fell off. off right. But it keeps it keeps trying to bloom. Right. Um, to bloom, it's it's right. not this, not this, thriving. Th- this is normal. So keep okay. going. So what, what you want to do? Well, I want to I, now that so many of the leaves have fallen have fallen off because of black spot. Yeah, it's real common. Put a systemic. Um, on the on the base of the tree, yeah. and many of the branches are trying to make new leaves. Yeah. Now, do I continue to? Um, do I need to fertilize it? Do do, do two things. If, by the way, this is fairly normal for most roses. There's not a whole lot of roses that are resistant to diseases, and those are the only ones that I grow because I'm not going to spray. But the systemic doesn't really work. You have to use a a foliar spray as a preventative. And when new growth comes on, you got to spray that. When new growth, you got so you got to keep spraying, and the stuff wears off or washes off after rains. Or, or, but what most people do is just simply cut their roses back. You know, you cut them back hard in the winter, and you can cut them back this time of year about halfway what grew this year, and they put out real strong new growth. The c- cutting stimulates more branches with strong, healthy new growth, and uh, and th- that's the easiest thing to do. I just routinely just cut. Cut mine back, and they put out new growth and bloom just fine. But uh, okay. otherwise, you have to spray all the time. There is no. And go- what are you spraying with? A rose fungicide. But if you don't spray every couple of weeks, it doesn't okay. work. It, you have to okay. keep a fresh film on them all the time, or just cut them back every now and then. Let them put out some new growth and bloom. Okay, so this little thing that only has two. To surviving, uh, you know, cut one up, cut, 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 cut one of them about halfway back, and okay. then when you see what happens, then it'll give you the confidence to cut the other one back. Okay, and the ones that are just barely coming out, I just rejoice and, yes. and get this. Yeah, this little little, little bit, little bit of fertilizer every now and then, a little pruning every now and then, and just just gone. All right. Okay, Trish, Thank you appreciate so much. it. You bet. All righty, now. We're going to Gene and Jackson. Liz, we're getting to you, but Gene and Jackson. Howdy, Gene. Hello. What's up? All right. Good morning. Listen, uh, you got my vote uh, for the magnolia being on the flower. I think that's a good oh, idea. Did you go? Yes. Did you do Love the? the did, did you do the petition thing? Uh, I haven't done it yet. Oh, uh, you're do talking that. about the Felder Russian dot block. Yeah. 
Uh, and, uh, well, you got my vote for it. I haven't done that yet. Well, we appreciate that. I, I'll do that. But I, I want to know this. I made a sketch. I did a sketch of a flag with the magnolia on okay. it. I didn't well, know if there's going to be a competition. I, 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 don't, I don't either. But if you'll send me an email about that, as soon as I find out, then, then, then I'll, I'll, I'll bring us both up to speed. So as soon as I find something out, I'll let folks know. But they, don't, they, don't have the, they haven't formed the commission yet. It should be in the next week or so. Okay. So shoot me an email, and we can take it from there. Okay, what is that email again? Uh, garden at mpbonline.org. Oh, right. Okay, garden at uh, dot dot org. Or, dot org. Okay. Appreciate it, Gene. Thank, Thank you, sir. Thank you. Magnolia flower on the magnolia flag. Now let's 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 go to Liz out from Moselle. Hey, Liz. Good morning. Thanks for holding. Good morning. My pleasure. I'll be brief. Um, <clears throat> I have two things. The worms are getting my tomatoes before I have a chance to eat them myself. Tell me about the, 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 those, big, those big worms or little worms in the fruit? No, little nasty black worms. Yeah, or, you know, you can use that. You know, if you go, go into Laurel or, or Hattiesburg to Garden Center and buy this stuff called uh, Biological Worm Spray, it controls caterpillars only, and that's not much else you can do but spray every week or two with one of these biological worm sprays. Okay, do I spray the tomatoes themselves? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. It's, yeah. It's I don't it's an, not the foliage. Well, I mean, it, you know, it'll control caterpillars on the foliage too, but it only con- it makes these caterpillars stop eating. And, okay. uh, and that, okay. that, that well, but, I don't. I, if if I get the the pretty blue swallowtail butterfly on some of my stuff. I don't want to kill it, so I'll it, it won't, it won't, it won't, on the tomatoes themselves. It won't kill the butterflies, just the larvae. Yeah, yeah, that's what I want. Yeah. I want them to go ahead and eat what I got. Yeah. I got, I got okay, we're, we're starting okay. to get short on time. What's your other okay, thing, Miss Liz? Next. Uh, three weeks ago, I filled up my three-gallon backpack sprayer with Roundup, and I only used about a gallon of it. Mm-hmm. Is it still good, or do I need to dump it out? Insecticides break down pretty quickly and fungicides fairly quickly, but weed killers don't. Okay, good deal. Thank right. you much. <laughs> Woo, thank you. Appreciate it. Oh, I don't think we have time to talk to Johnny and Kosciusko. Johnny, please shoot me an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I apologize, but we just got real busy there. Hey, folks, I've got naked lady flowers in my yard. I've got Montbrecia, kind of a, a orange crocosmia. I've got a big old tall native coneflower and blue perennial salvage loaded with butterflies. And this past week, I set out some more tomatoes and some more peppers because they grow great. If you can get tomato and pepper plants now or root some, some suckers of tomatoes, the plants put in the ground the next couple of three weeks will grow sturdy and stocky from the ground, uh, and they'll have more fruit than you can possibly imagine in the fall. Tomatoes and peppers tend to shut down in the heat of summer, but the plants grow great. So this is a great time to start thinking ahead and planning for fall harvest. Don't just be like a farmer and plant once a year and hope it'll make it. Try to plant stuff ahead of time. Be it proactive. And if you get a chance again, go to felderrushing.blog, scroll down where it says Magnolia Flower Flag, click on that and see what happens after that. We're just trying to come up with something pretty, like the Texas Lone Star and the 
South Carolina Palmetto, Magnolia State, and he's a Magnolia Flower, folks. We're going to take a week-long break. We're going to come back same time, same place here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting, talking about gardening. Hey, it's a great time of year to take a kid to a farmer's market and actually talk to the people who grew the stuff there, flowers and herbs and home homegrown honey and all that kind of stuff you can find at farmer's market. Take a kid out there and let them meet people who get dirty for a living. Maybe they'll grow up and be dirty themselves. Till next week, folks, fellow rushing here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Java, see you later. I'm going to go get dirty. <laughs> 